be two months. Three months. Could be. Four months. I can see that happening. Yes. Eight months? That's a realistic timeline. Eleven months. Perhaps. Okay, wait. Now really think hard about this one. One year. I could see that as a very real possibility. Oh, he got rid of it. He sure did. are going to win. There's a game seven back in Boston. What a finish to this game. Stunned. People here are absolutely stunned. A rush. Absolutely stunned. Unbelievable. Maybe, sometimes, hopefully, the Boston area, we need to end the drought. It's been 1,700 and 80 some days since there's been a championship and so we're just really uh, want that drought to end as you can see that beautiful thing there so hopefully the Celtics will win I know some of you that now you have indigestion but that's okay that's okay I'm trying to get you to engage with what we're talking about so this morning we're talking about maybe and all of us use maybe a little differently uh, some of us use maybe to mean never, ever, ever. Some of us use maybe with hope, maybe someday, maybe that's going to happen. In our house, uh, whenever the subject of having a little puppy dog came up for the beginning, I would say maybe, but maybe meant no way ever it's happening. And then Sarah, without missing a beat, would say, well, how about a horse? And I'm like, what are you crazy? If we don't want a dog, we don't want a horse. But this idea of maybe, perhaps, whatever it may be, you know, what does that word mean? And we're going to see that when it comes to our relationship with God, it comes to anticipating uh, how we are to navigate through life. There are moments where there's a maybe, there's a perhaps, there's a we'll see, or there's a someday, and that doesn't mean what it meant in the Spencer household is no way. I just don't want to get into a big argument about it. I'm just saying, well, maybe, and I'm taking the wimpy way out rather than saying no, that it's actual possible. And we see this in a number of places. We see it with uh, our series as we're working through First Samuel. We've seen uh, you know, Saul and uh, all of that, and uh, we're seeing that unfold, and we've been seeing that. And we've been seeing this guy named Jonathan, who is Saul's son, King Saul's son. And Jonathan is an upstanding guy. Uh, he would have been a great king. Last week when we heard that Saul had blown it, and uh, he creates ripples that affect his family and reflect, uh, reflect his son, that uh, no longer would Saul's family rule over Israel into the future. But if it had happened that way, Jonathan would have been great. Jonathan would have been fantastic. So I encourage you, we're going to talk a little bit, but as we move through and you see Jonathan's name come up, and he actually eventually becomes really good friends with the future king, and he's not threatened by that, wants to serve him, that is amazing. That actually, to me, sometimes it gives 
uh, him a lot of credibility. When I look at David, there's much more written about David, but, I, but the person that can, uh, in a sense, take the second chair when they were supposed to get the first chair and really embrace that person, that is unbelievable. I mean, you, you see that at work sometimes. Someone gets the promotion, and you were in line to get it, and you don't get it, and you were friends with this this person, it, it's hard to hard to not resent, and we don't see that in Jonathan. So anyway, Jonathan is a stand-up guy, and uh, there's this one verse, and we'll be unpacking the whole section, but there's this one verse that says this, Jonathan said to his young helper, who carried his weapons, his armor-bearer, come on, let's go to the camp of those foreigners, maybe the Lord will use us to defeat them. Nothing can stop the Lord. Now, when we talk about taking steps of faith, there's a, there's a tension there. We never want to presume on God. We never want to do something where God, in a sense, has to bail us out because we are foolish. But we do want to walk in a place where we do get to practice faith and we get to see God show up. If you have your life buttoned up so well that God doesn't need to show up, that's kind of a sad existence. I love it when God shows up. This week, I had a couple moments, and, and it's not unique to me because I'm a pastor, but it, you know, it just was really awesome. I had some scheduling things. I was supposed to meet with a group of guys. None of the other guys could make it, and only one guy showed up, and, and we had a good conversation that would not have taken place if those other guys had been there. So at first glance, I was like, oh, the other guys couldn't show up. You know, poor's me, you know. And then I was like, wait a minute. God took that moment. Th those guys couldn't show up because God wanted me to meet with this one individual. And uh, so that is cool when you see God showing up and taking steps of faith. Uh, we're familiar with uh, Daniel, and Daniel has the same kind of a thing. Uh, his friends are getting ready to be thrown in the fiery furnace. You can check out the whole story, Daniel chapter 3. But if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. In other words, we're in his hands. The future is with God. But even if he does not, we want you to know that your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, because most of us know the rest of the story, we're like, oh, yeah, that's great. They did that. This was real fire, real furnace, real death staring them in the face. And they were, well, maybe. Maybe God will do this. Maybe God won't, perhaps. But we're going to trust God, especially in this issue. We know that we're supposed to, to, to only have God in the center of our heart. And taking a knee to this golden image is not doing that. So we're, we're not in your face about it. We're not picketing around the image going, we won't bow down. We won't bow. They're not doing that. They're just not doing it. And they're not sure. It could very easily have been a story. They died in that furnace. You go to Hebrews 11, you'll see individuals that uh, were, were killed because of their faith. Colosseum stuff, eaten by lions. It even says sawed in two. And if you do any study of the history, a lot of Christ followers die horrific lives, uh, deaths. And uh, you obviously see it in our Savior, Jesus Christ, Son of God, dying for us. 
that being crucified was a horrible way to go. And he even do prayed, Lord, if you can pass this from me, if this cup can be passed from me, I would love that. But your will, not my will. So this idea of maybe, not being careless, not being dumb, not you know, putting your, yourself in harm's way to see if God's going to show up. But if you understand who God is, then you walk with him. And there are times where you de- take a step of faith. Remember a number of years ago when we added on to the building and I've been here a few years and we were talking about it and I was nervous about that. It was a lot of money. And uh, it, they, I did not want to see us you know, take a loan out, raise so much money and all of a sudden have to be coming back to everybody. Well, we, didn't, we, don't, we, we really need help because we can't pay our bills. But I also didn't want to have it so buttoned up that we didn't need to see God work. It's a fine line, and uh, it brings a lot of joy to life if you're a Christ follower and you're walking with God to actually see him, his hand at work in your day and not be so buttoned up. Uh, You know, we're in this process of looking for an associate pastor. That's a big step for our church. We don't want the individual and the family to starve. So, you know, that, that costs money. And, uh, it, you know, it seems to all become, but there, there's a step of faith there. And so, you know, maybe, could be, it seems to be what God wants us to do. And so we have to understand that. So when it comes to these moments, um, uh, Harry, Henry Blackaby calls it sometimes a, a crisis of belief. We have this idea, when you know that you do, don't know, faith helps you confidently move forward into the future. And we're going to see it's because you who, who you know. If you're growing in your relationship with God, if you know him well, if you're in that process, you know that part. But there are these moments where you know that you don't know. So you don't confidently act like you do know. I've met people like that, that they act like they know and they really don't know. And they're trying to, you know, push people forward or get things done. And they act like, oh, yeah, this is what, da, 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 da. But to be able to say, we know that we don't know, but we do know our God, our personal God. And because we know our personal God, when uncertainty comes into our life, whether it's brought into our life or whether we live in a place where we need to take a step of faith, not a blind step of faith, but a faith where we've understood the circumstances. We know God. Those, those guys going into the fiery furnace, they knew God. They had seen God deliver him before, but they weren't sure what happened again. Jonathan is growing in his relationship with God, and you're going to see what he does uh, because he, he needed to get moving. He felt we need to do something. Not just to do something to do something, but it was the next step. It seemed very obvious to him. So because he knows God, even though he doesn't know the outcome, he walks with him to see what's going to happen. So we're going to be looking uh, a lot in um, 1 Samuel 13, 16, and beyond into chapter 14. Starts on page 191. So if you want to follow along with a paper copy Bible, uh, they're in the racks. Please feel free to use those. If you don't have a paper copy, uh, I want you to take that home. Um, also, Uversion has all this for your smart device, so I encourage you to, to use that. So the first thing we need to understand as we break into this story about Jonathan is this. Knowing there is more going on than you see. 
You and I, if we're going to live in the maybe, in the perhaps, in the we'll see, when it comes to our relationship with God, not with relationship with me, because I sometimes take the wimpy way out, maybe means no. So now you're all going to say, when I say maybe, oh, he just meant no to me. Don't overread into it, but uh, maybe I did mean that. So uh, knowing there is more going on than you see. I don't want to say that there's a, a demon behind every bush and all this kind of a thing. But you and I, if we're Christ followers, are in a spiritual battle. And the evil one, the devil, Satan, the number one angel who's the fallen angel, and a bunch of his buddy angels all decided to turn their back on God because they thought they could do life better. They were like, why should you be God? I know all this stuff. And they started this rebellion, and this is all behind the scenes going on. Uh, we live in a world of that. Sometimes when you see things line up in a horrible way, you go, what just, how, how's that happening? I think it's because we're in a spiritual battle. We need to understand. We need to understand that there's an unseen conflict. So don't overplay it, but don't underplay it. Don't overplay it, but don't underplay it. Uh, there's passages and passages about this idea and so as we think about life and we think about faith and we think about moving forward in faith as individuals and as a church family, uh, a group of Christ followers, that's what we are. We're, we're a group of Christ followers in a local uh, place. And as we do that, we have a mission, we have a vision, we, we move through that. That's all based on scripture. So, so we need to understand that when we push that through, there's, there's going to be resistance, there's going to be pushback you all many of you realize it should be right on your program there Seneca Community Church exists to make a difference in people's lives wherever they are by leading them into a growing relationship with God through Christ that's why we've talked about the follow the growth process a uh, great opportunity to see how do I continue to grow in my faith unpacking that what spiritual habits um, help you grow in your faith. So that's our, that's our reason for existing. You can take a look at the Great Commission, the Great Commandment, and you'll see all of that in there, or this is all in there. And that's what we base that on. So that means wherever a person is, wherever you are, we're trying to make a difference, not just be good neighbors. That's important. But we ultimately want our good neighboring, if you can say that, to point to Christ to point to his love, and so that you can have a growing relationship. If you're about this idea, this, this um, mission, then your relationship, my relationship, ought to be growing with Christ. If I'm talking about it, if I'm promoting a way of life that's not a part of my life, that's not a good thing. That's hypocrisy. doesn't mean we got it down perfect. I love when I go to a doctor and, uh, you know, I can lose some weight. And I learn the doctor talks to me about this, but the doctor actually weighs more than me. And I want to say, how's that working for you, buddy? You know, uh, you know, because, you know, it's just, you know, yes, I know, but you're saying this, but you're not doing it either. So we need, we can't lead someone where we're not traveling ourselves. And we're going to be seeing more about this as it comes online a little bit, but we've come up with a, a vision why, you know, we, this is what we are and this is what we're trying to do. 
and I got to read this one. Seneca Community Church seeks to become a multi-generational church. You can see that in our programming. You can see that in the things we do. That has an undeniable cultural impact on the Finger Lakes. We want to be a church that if we disappear, the, the Finger Lakes would actually miss us, notice that we're gone by lifting up Jesus Christ, teaching God's word, and making disciples who love and live like Jesus, who are authentic. So when you just not have those things written down, when you start trying to live those things out, you're going to come against the prince of this world who doesn't want that. So if we're just a comfortable church and we're kind of in focused and we have good potluck dinners or whatever we do and, you know, we, we have good communities and all this kind of stuff, but we're really not denting the outside world, you know, the evil one just kind of goes, oh, yeah, that's great. Just kind of do your thing. But when you start to really start to push out in, 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 a, in a God-led way, uh, you'll find resistance. Let's talk about this last couple of weeks. When you make a stand for Christ, maybe when you just even say, I am following Christ, when you get baptized, it doesn't mean that it's smooth sailing from then on. It means you're going to get some resistance. Some of you may even find that you're re-engaging with church. And you're, yeah, I'm trying to do honor God and all this, and then all of a sudden these bad things happen in your life, and you're going, yeah, what good did that get me? I'm doing these things, I'm doing the right things, and now you know, life is tougher, it's not better. That is going to happen. If it's always smooth sailing, you've got to ask yourself, am I really making a dent on the world? It doesn't mean you need to create that, or you need to be a masochist. You know, I need, I need to do some things so I take some heat. No, you'll get the heat. You just need to follow Christ, and that's going to happen. So we're knowing there's more going on than you see. We are in an unseen conflict. And uh, Saul and his son Jonathan and the men with him were staying in Gilba and Benjamin while the Philistines were camped at Milkmash. Micmash, which is not milk. Micmash. And uh, if you remember from a couple chapters ago, the Israelites used to be in Micmash. So that means they've lost some ground. They've had a retreat. The Philistines now have the territory that they used to have. And they're getting this, this pushback from the Philistines. And this is a real story. It really happened. But you can grab some spiritual application out of it. And there can be times where we as Christ followers, and we're going to see some of the things going on, are losing ground. Losing our influence. Losing ground in our own spiritual life. Are you as a strong as a Christ follower, uh, that, are you as strong as you were a year ago? Are your habits, not that you're checking things off a list, but are, are your rhythms of life reflecting Christ even more than they were a while back? If they're not, if they're not in my life, I'm not growing. I've just stopped. So you have to ask yourself that. I, I hate, sometimes I hate to ask this, but I have to look back and go, am I any different than I was a year or two years or I can cut myself a little bit as well it's like five years ago or am I the same what's going on in my heart I've said this before if you've been following Christ for a while a lot of the changes happen inside and people around you may not even see them just the way you think what you value what you want 
you know, your filter system, uh, if you don't have to filter your words because your heart's changed, that's, a, that's progress. If you're still saying, whoops, I better not say that, I go, why did that thought even come to my mind? I don't want to be thinking that way. That's where the growth continues to happen. And so we see that things aren't going well. Raiding parties went out from the Philistine camp into three detachments, one towards Ophrah and the Venice of Shoal, another towards Beth Horon, and a third towards the borderland, borderland overlooking the Valley of Zebulun, uh, facing the wilderness. So, I mean, the Philistines are making progress. They're on the move. If you remember uh, way back or just a chapter ago, uh, you know, Saul and Jonathan had 3,000 soldiers, 2,000 with Saul, 1,000 with him. There was even time earlier where they had 100,000 in battle, and things just keep shrinking, and they're, they're in trouble. It's down to 600, and these raiding parties are going out. When you and I think about our life, I shared this last week, Ephesians tells us, gets into this whole idea of a spiritual battle. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in, the, in rebellion in, under the heavenly realms. For they are powerful class of demigods or demon gods and, every, and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Now, we living in the Western world go, oh, that's not really for us. You go to some of these third world countries, it's actually the majority of the world, and you see this maybe a little bit more hurt even. But folks from those places would say, it is going so well where you live, you don't even see it. You don't even notice the pressure on thinking and philosophy. And and I want to say, this may get me into big trouble, but if you look at the news and all the craziness is going on, it's just not human beings behaving badly. There's some kind of agenda going on, and I'm not going to give it to one de- one party, to the other party, to one group. It is an agenda going on, and it's in the spiritual war uh, segment of, of, of the world, and it's happening there, and we just see it unfolding on and on and on again. First Peter, we read, control yourselves, be disciplined, balanced. Some of us could stop right there. Take that phrase, am I controlled? Am I disciplined? Am I balanced? And then when you have those things, you're never going to have that perfectly, but when you're moving in those directions, you can say, yes. I control myself. Yes, I'm being disciplined. Yes, I'm being balanced. I'm not going from one extreme to the other. I'm not getting caught up with the craziness on one side or the other side. I'm balanced. Then be alert. Have your eyes open. You know, I hear stories. I, I stories that sound like I, I, I'm people coming to me, talking to me, and they're under a lot of pressure. And I see it happening all over the place. And and, and I can't say that that's just, well, it's just, you know, just life. I, I, I think th- there's a pressure out there. Th- there's, a, there's, there's a, an attack that is happening. And I can see it even in our midst where things are just messier than normal and heavier than normal. That, to me, is an attack. The devil is your enemy. 
He's not a guy in a red suit with, you know, that looks kind of funky, you know. And he, he goes around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for someone to attack and eat, take no prisoners, take a decisive stand against him, and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. You need to lean into God, not away from him. Times are tough, so you don't say, well, I'm backing off from this faith. No, this is where you really rally and lean in. There's been a couple times over the last few weeks where I've said, man, I've got I've to expand my time with God this morning. I need to take another half an hour, another hour. I'm going to read a little bit more because I'm just, I'm just having this, this heaviness, and I, I want to make sure my faith is in a vigorous place. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kind of troubles you endure. So, there's this battle going on. We need to understand also when it comes to this, we are supplied for the unseen conflict. You don't have to be afraid. You have to need to have a prudence. You don't, but you don't have to be like all nervous. God's got you. So you've got the situation in front. He's, he's got you, and it's, you're supplied with what you need. We do have this faith that God loves us in such a way that when we're going through the deep waters, we're not going alone. He's with us. Uh, we don't have to, like, fail and be defeated. We can walk with God and, and stay afloat. He's equipped us for that. He's not set us up for failure. He's not set us up for failure. So he's not saying, hey, Dave, live this way, but I'm going to send some things your way. It's impossible for you to survive. And I'm just going to watch back and go, ha, ha, see, well, you guys are really strong. No, no, God doesn't do that. God's equipped us to live in the world we live with. Sometimes we find that we feel we're not equipped. To go back to the story about Jonathan. Jonathan and Saul were the only two in the whole army that had swords. Nobody else did. Not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel because the Philistines had said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So all of Israel went down to the Philistines to have their plow points, mattocks, and axes and sickles sharpened. Interesting, very smart move there. The Israelites couldn't even do their livelihood of farming without leaning into the Philistines to, to sharpen their, their tools. And the idea is that they overcharged. They had to go down to the Philistines, and, you know, you know, it was a $10 item, but they're charging 100 and there's nothing you can do about it. And sometimes you and I feel like when it comes to what's going on in our own personal life, the world around us, we feel like we just are not equipped for it. Like the Israelites, we don't have the, the right weapons for it. And you can look on, and he talks more about that. And uh, again, they, ju they just did not have the weapons. But you know, when we think about our life today, and we look at the Newer Testament, and we see Christ coming into the heart of our lives through the Spirit, we realize what Paul says. He says, we live in this world, but we don't fight our battles in the same world the way the world does. The weapons we use are not human ones. Our weapons have power from God and can destroy the enemy's strong places. We destroy people's arguments, and I added, added in there, not people, 
You hear that? It's not about destroying people. It's not about crushing people. It's about having traction in good arguments. When you and I get into discussions or get into heated things, even sometimes with uh, believers, uh, it's not about trying to put them in their place. It's trying to show that there's another place that they can be, not in an arrogant way, but in a kind way, in a, in a firm way, in a loving way. But we can go against those arguments. God has equipped us for that. We use our powerful God tools for smashing proud, warped philosophies, not people, tearing down barriers that keep people from knowing God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. We respond, we don't react because we are shaped by Christ. We're growing in that shaping by Christ, capturing their rebellious thoughts and teaching them to obey Christ. It shows up in our behavior. We sometimes have to, not sometimes, that's being nice, we have to take our own thoughts captive by God and his word and the way he wants us to shape our lives. And this is a battle. It's hard. Such a blessing to have people in your life that are rowing in the same direction that energize. You're not going to have 20 of these people, two or three, maybe four. And, and you can lean into them and they can just help you as you're traveling through this. They're in a sense God's hands and feet and heart in your lives. We all need that. Uh, being a Christ follower is not a solo sport, individual sport. That's the reason there's this thing called church, group of Christ followers. So Christ says God has given us the battles for this unseen warfare going along around us. And he's equipped us to be able to walk in it and through it and stand up underneath it. You go look at uh, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 13, and you'll see a little bit more about that. So we know that that battle's going on, but we also need to know that faith is expressed on the move. Now, this isn't just activity for the sake of activity, but if you and I are living out our faith, it's expressed on the move. We're, we're, we're moving out. We're moving forward. We're going to see how Jonathan basically looks around and goes, nothing's happening here. Maybe, maybe God will show up and we'll get a victory because we're just stagnant. We're doing nothing. You're going to see, we may not read the passage, you're going to see, if you look on this on your own, you're going to see that uh, Saul is sitting under a pomegranate tree kind of like in a coffee shop someplace, just kind of chilling out, drinking cappuccinos and, you know, eating cuckoo's, you know, muffins and stuff like that. And, you know, his army's out and around and nothing's happening. They're just kind of shaking there. So faith is expressed on the move. For many, not always, so don't take this too far. For many, the most God-honoring thing a person can do is something. Do something. Don't stay locked up in your home, locked up in your little holy huddle. Do something. In Matthew 25, you look through 14 to 30, you're going to see about the parable of the good stewards. 
and how they use the talents, the abilities, we're going to say, the resources, how they use them and don't use them. And not using them is a bad thing. Jesus busts their chops for not using them. If you're equipped, if God's put some things into your life, we ought to use them. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. All safe. Again, not sticking your neck out where it's not to be stuck out. You've got to be walking with God. You've got to know God to know those situations. If you knew what I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? What are you doing with your life? What am I doing with my life? Giving it to Satan. Not on the move. Jesus is not happy when we're not on the move. Local group of Christ followers, church, are to be on the offensive, but not necessarily offensive. You get what I'm saying there? I've said this before. There's enough unusual things in Christian faith that you don't need to add some weird stuff. Don't be a weird Christian. Be a Christ follower. Follow Christ. There will be odd to sin, but don't, you don't have to add a layer of weirdness. Don't, 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 just don't do that and uh, think through that. But you need to be out there. And we see there's a detachment of Philistines and they're at Milk Mash. And it's, if you look into it, it's a, it's a, it's a narrow pass. And uh, they've got it kind of guarded, you know, a big army can't travel there. It's like one by one, two by two, three by, but it's not like you can have this big force move forward. You kind of got to go single file-ish up there. So a straight way to defense, and that's where they are. And uh, Jonathan is not having it. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts under that pomegranate tree I told you about. Jonathan has all the attributes of being a great king. Saul doesn't. And so, there you go. They're just hang they're going to go into battle and they're going to move forward. And they're going to see what they're doing. It's interesting that Saul is still kind of doing some little things. As you read here, you see he's still working with the um, Ark of the Covenant. He's trying to get these priests and all this kind of thing. And you go back in history, just marching that thing out as a luck charm doesn't work. It's not a good thing, but he's still kind of living in there. He hasn't learned from the past. He hasn't, in a sense, studied the history, studied the scripture from the past. He, he, he's really not getting who God is. He wants God to join him, not to join God. He wants to be his history, not his history. And uh, there's all kinds of uh, issues going on there. And uh, as we're getting into these things, as we're moving forward, as relying on God, we need to realize that nothing can obstruct or delay the Lord. I challenge you to go back and read this passage. It's going to say, nothing's stopping him. Nothing gets in his way. What he wants to do, he wants to do. What he doesn't want to do, he doesn't do. You don't, you don't have to worry about him being uh, 
stuck and not being able to show up because he's being restrained by something. He is God. He is in control. And uh, so they go out there, and uh, Jonathan comes up with a little plan to see if they should go up or go down, and he has this dialogue with the Philistines, and uh, has this little plan up, and I love this armor bearer. Uh, we all need somebody like that that's beyond our side. You know, without the armor bearer, Jonathan's not going to make it. You're going to see that Jonathan seems to be knocking these guys out. And then if they're still alive, the armor bearer does the rest of the work. And so it's very important to have this armor bearer in his life. And so we need armor bearers, somebody who holds us up, who goes along with us. And it's not like Jonathan's the boss and this is his little servant. They're a partnership. They're a team. And knowing Jonathan, Jonathan's not that kind of guy. He doesn't treat David that way. He doesn't push his uh, position. He owns his position, but he doesn't push it. And uh, that's a really great thing. So this armor bearer is a part of what's going on. We saw earlier Saul had a, like an assistant servant. And uh, every time they were doing these things, they were looking for their donkeys. Uh, the servant uh, had his back. Saul was kind of like wishy-washy. That servant made all the difference. We don't have the servant's name. We don't have the armor bearer's name, I don't believe. And uh, so, so it's just, it's just kind of interesting. These guys in the shadows who really aren't in the shadows. And so as we're thinking about all of this, we need to understand that as all your brilliant wisdom and clever insight will be of no help at all if the Lord is against you. You can do your best to prepare for the battle, but ultimately the victory comes from the Lord God. So you want to be walking in this situation where you may not know, you may say maybe, maybe God wants us to do this, but you understand it comes at the hand of God. Every success, every victory in your life, big and small, has been empowered by God in your life. Yes, you may have been disciplined. May you did the right thing. But the power, the bearing, the conscious, the whatever to get there is because of Jesus in your and my life. It's not that I've been so good. It's Jesus is so good. Jumping right down to a couple of other points. Authentic faith is communicated by action seen some people overplay that statement and get themselves into trouble but if you're in a growing relationship with God there should be evidence of it not self-righteous evidence but it should just be showing up and you should be engaged in living out your faith me living out my faith Jonathan said come on then see we've crossed over toward them and let's see let them see us if they say to us, wait here until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. It may not be that dramatic in your life, but even like last week, I said, you know, I had a group of guys. Only one guy was able to make it. First reaction was, oh, I guess we should just cancel. See you later. And then I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute, this is this something. wonder if God wants us to have a conversation. Maybe God set this all up. And so action, not missing those moments around you where God has 
put something in your place so that you can move forward, having faith with action. I encourage you to read the rest into verses 13 and 14. And this idea of, again, action, I love what James says it this way, but some might argue some people have faith and others have good works. My answer would be that you can't show me your faith if you don't do anything, but I will show you my faith by the good I do. Action. When's the last time you put some action in your faith? Starting point, maybe just getting up early tomorrow morning and, and cracking your Bible and spending some time with him. So you know God a little bit better as you face your day. Maybe there's something in that. I don't think it's coincidence. I can't believe how many times I read something in the morning or whenever, and it actually speaks to that day, not to a day two months later. Sometimes it does that, but sometimes it's so in the moment that I can't make this stuff up. Just happens. So action, expressing faith. This may sound like a little bit of a dig, and maybe it is. When it comes to all of this action, it's not about creating action for somebody else. God never shows you a problem just so you can tell someone else about it. How many times I had somebody come alongside me and say, yeah, you ought to do this. Uh, God's really laid it on my head. Oh, and they just go, here, do it. I go, what do you think I'm doing with my days? Do you think I'm just kind of sitting around looking at the ceiling going, man, I wish I had some more work to do. I wish I had some more activity to do. If God laid it on your heart, maybe you should engage with that. Not always, but maybe more often. So if something laid, it would be like me, you know, seeing a paper towel or, you know, some piece of paper blown around the, the parking lot, and I come in and I talked to Angel, who does our, a lot of our cleaning here, or one of the other cleaning. Hey, there's some paper out in the parking lot blowing around. Would you ought to better go over there and pick it up? Why don't you just pick it up yourself? Problem solved. And, uh, you know, that application can go into a lot of areas. Already kind of hinted at this. Knowing wins and losses are from the Lord. Understanding that and understanding that some of our losses actually get to be turned into wins and being good with that sometimes you feel wow i got losses because of me romans 8 god can take that and make that into a win doesn't mean you purposely have losers losses and have pro, you know do the wrong thing so you can see god come in and redeem the moment but when that happens god can use that when you're really thinking about loving him, he can take those things. Kind of goes along with this, is this idea is results are God's responsibility. Results are God's responsibility. And maybe someday it will be clarified to us why something went the way it went. We don't get it. But that's his responsibility. Maybe someday we are with him, that will be clarified to us. Or so maybe someday we just don't even need it to be clarified. We're kind of have this idea and it won't be something that is like kind of nagging in the depths of our soul. So results are God's responsibility. We see this with uh, uh, Jonathan. Then the panic struck the whole army because Jonathan's on the move. He's winning. His uh, armor bearer is, uh, I like the word, dispatching the guys behind him. And uh, they're moving on. And, uh, and those in the outposts, and the raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was an earthquake. It was a panic set by God. 
two swords, 600 people, and they're routing the Philistines. Victory is God's. Blesses our God. Um, let me just uh, see what I want to say right here. Love this idea. Got down a couple little spots. You can fill out the rest of the blanks by going online. All the answers are filled in. Jonathan had no idea. That's in the original languages. Idea. Uh, whether God would act on those, act on his behalf in that particular moment, he just knew who God was. He just knew who God was. If Jonathan had died, that could have been a part of the plan. And we could talk about other faithful people that were martyred for their faith. So Jonathan had no idea whether it was what God was going to do. He just knew he needed to do it. He knew who God was and that God would be faithful and that was good enough for him and his armor bearer. So if the results are God's responsibility, our responses are your responsibility, are my responsibility, the way we respond. We're talking a lot around here about instead of reacting, responding. Reacting, you're losing control. You're not being disciplined. You're not letting God work. You want, you want to respond. There's a little more thinking. There's a little more uh, thoughtfulness and peace in a response rather than a reaction. And uh, God, uh, you know, Saul is, you know, seeing things going on. Again, he's doing his little, uh, you know, superstition kind of thing, trying to get some action, some traction. And uh, nothing is really happening. Finally, he says, ah, forget that. Let's just go. There's, there's battle happening. And next week, we're going to see how he, how he reacts to some crazy stuff when it comes to Jonathan. And when you think about your life and you think about all these moments where it seems to be the pressure seems to be on. I love this uh, Mark Patterson. We actually read about this in our men's group this week. This idea that no tests equal no testimony. So when you and I get into these situations, you're getting an opportunity. You're getting a new tool in your toolbox to point to Christ. And you get to point to Christ through the test and how you went through it. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes, hopefully it's not a ton of them, there are tests that I fail. And even in those cases, there's a testimony and there's a story that points to Christ. So ending it with this idea, faith is knowing what you don't know and taking a step because of who you know. And that's exactly what Jonathan did. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your love for us. We thank you for accounts like this. I, I just ask that each one of us would just have one idea, one, one concept that we would try to integrate into our lives as we follow your lead. And if there's someone here that has not placed their faith in you, has not said yes to you, may this be the day that they start walking with you and finding that they can trust you, they can know you, even when they don't know what's going on in their life, they can know you, and that changes everything. And for those who do, Help us to hold on to that because sometimes it gets crazy. We thank you that you're dependable. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.